Well, good morning. Anybody's mother ever say to them when you were younger, just who do you think you are? Anybody's mom ever say that when you're getting out of line or you're acting like you're running the place when you really don't? And she wants to know, boy, who do you think you are? I heard that a few times in my life. Did anybody else ever hear that? You know, we're starting this series today called Who Do You Think You Are? And here, here's the idea. When we know who we are, it's going to be easier to understand what we should do. My 15-year-old is just learning to drive. Now, legally, they'll allow her behind the wheel of a large automobile with me and, or, or my wife in the passenger seat. And, and uh, it's a scary thing if anybody's ever lived through that. It's just like a new adventure. It's the first time that we've had to do this. And it, it's fun, but yet uh, it gets a little scary sometimes. And, and, and Molly tells me that, that, that her mama and her daddy give her two different types of advice when she's being taught how to drive. She said, I said, well, what's different? She said, well, mommy's like, well, watch out, slow down. And you're like, go, go, get on it, get on it, go. So, <laughs> so one day we were out driving, doing a little practicing on a Saturday. And in one day, Molly had two new experiences. One was my fault, the other was not. The first one, uh, she ran a red light. And uh, it was because I was like, go, 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 you can make it, you can make it, you can make it. And she's like, <laughs> she, she's like, Daddy, I just ran a red light. And I said, it's all right, you know, I'm, I've done it myself accidentally. You know, that was, honey, that one was short. They're not all timed the same way. And so, like, does Mommy really have to know about this? And, of course, we don't hold anything back in our family. So, yes, Mommy had to find out about it. So, who do you think you are? You know, there I got that talk. So in the same day, we're driving out 401, and uh, it's, there's construction going on if you're going on towards Rollsville on 401, and, and the, the traffic was backed up, and she needed to get in the left lane because it, it went down to one lane, and, and I was saying, now put your blinker on, but you know how people can be rude, and, and they just keep going, and they don't know, teenage driver, I, I think I'm going to get a sign made, but they don't know that, and so they're just zipping by, and nobody's letting her over, they're expecting her to just you know, gun it and go out there. And I was a little reserved because I already caused her to run a red light. So I was just kind of chilling out. And, and there were people beeping behind us. And finally, this car whips out around us. And this is the second thing that happened to her for the first time that day. This car whips out around us. And this, this very classy lady in the passenger side looks and she's mouthing something vulgar to my daughter. And she gives, you're number one, you know, gives us, you know, flips us off. And, and all of a sudden, I was like, this anger just wells up inside of me. And I, was, my, I promised, my hands were like coming up. And I was like, no, I cannot do this. I cannot do this. My children are with me. This would not be good. That lady could go to our church for all I know, or maybe she'll show up. So I just need to, I need to, I need to just chill. And so I did get my hands up, but I did this. I was like, Ugh! and I just, I, I yelled something out. And, you know, my younger daughter in the back was like, oh, my gosh, dad's angry. It just made me angry because don't do that to my daughter. She's, she's a teenager trying to drive, and I'm yelling that like the lady can hear me. And I'm like, really classy, lady, really classy. And the girls are like dead silent, no anything. When you're at a, a point when you're either your anger is boiling or something bad has happened or you have these two choices and you don't know what to do, sometimes you have to remember who you are. Say, I'm a follower of Christ and I want to honor him with all my life. So if I anger someone in a car and they flip me off, I don't do it back. See, when you know who you are, it's easier to know what you're supposed to do. 
And over the next several weeks, we're going to look at different passages of Scripture that tell us who we are. Because in life, we have to make big decisions. What should I do here? What should I do there? Well, we'll be one step closer to making better decisions if we just understand who we are from God's perspective. Some of us in here are followers of Jesus Christ, and maybe you already know who you are. Or maybe you need a refresher. You followed him for a while, and you've forgotten what it means to have your identity fully and firmly placed in the, in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And you've forgotten that. And this series will be a great refresher to remind you this is who you are. Some of you may just be coming to church for the first few times, checking it out. You're not sure. You haven't made the decision yet. And, and you're just kind of checking out God, checking out this church thing. And this, this series is really going to mean a lot to you if you come and listen because it's going to tell you what God thinks about you, what he believes about you. Today's, today's topic comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 5. And there's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one of those. It's yours to keep if you want to keep it. Uh, you can just keep it. It's, it's yours, or you can turn it back in on the way out uh, as, as you leave today. The book of Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, and Jesus is giving a series of, of thoughts, of wisdom that he wants people to live by. And he's kind of like laying out, this is what Jesus believes about people. And this is how Jesus wants people to act. And in Matthew chapter 5, Verse 13, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Now, in our culture, salt is a pretty worthless substance, right? I mean, you go buy Wendy's and just pick up some, put it in your pocket. They don't care. It doesn't cost anything, really. It's just salt, just a little packet, little two tubes of it. You can just have it. If you went up and said, can I buy this salt packet? They're going to look at you like, what? It's salt. It's worthless. Just take it. It's yours. So is Jesus comparing us to something that's worthless? Well, not in their culture, not in the people who heard Jesus say these words. Salt was a very valuable commodity. In fact, people were paid in salt, the word for salary that comes from a Roman word, saleros, it's connected to the word salt. That's how people were paid. Did you ever have your mama say, uh, oh, he's just not worth his salt? Anybody's mom ever say that? Anybody in your family? Well, that saying goes way back because that, those were the wages people were paid in. It was salt because it was, it was valuable. Just think about it. What does salt do? If you don't have refrigeration or any way to keep stuff, salt is a, is a great preservative. If you go over to Food Lion, buy a beef jerky, dig a hole, put it in it, 25 years from now, dig it up, you could still eat that beef jerky because it's so, it's so salty that salt's going to preserve it. I mean, it's raw. It's not raw meat. It's smoked meat in a package. And I don't know, it lasts for years and years and years. Salt is a great preservative. Salt also brings flavor. If you're going out for Mexican food for lunch, are you going to get, uh, hey, I'd like some chips with no salt on them. They'd be like, well, they don't come that way. You know, they're, they're grown with salt on them. That's how they're made. <laughs> it brings flavor. Chips without it, just they don't taste the same. It's like, you ever have an unsalted saltine? It's like worthless. You might as well eat the carton. It's just kind of the same thing. <laughs> salt brings flavor. Salt also causes thirst. If you eat salty stuff, all of a sudden you're starting to want to drink a water. Like, hey, I'm thirsty. It, 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 it just creates thirst in people. And Jesus is saying... That's what you are. He's not saying go be that. He's saying you 
are salt. He's not saying, hey, I need you to try to be salt. He says, you are salt. Salt is an influencer of what's around it. And God wants me to know that I am an influencer. See, I can be that preservative that helps somebody else get to know about Jesus. I can, I can be that person that brings flavor to those around me. Just like some food tastes better with salt, or really all food tastes better with salt. I could be the person who brings flavor to the people around me. I can also cause thirst. By the way I live, by the way I handle my life, by the way I react to stress or a schedule or temptation, I can cause people to look and say, hey, what, what is it about you that's different? It, it, there's something I just can't quite describe. Anybody ever say that to you? If you're a follower of Christ and, and, and you live your life for Christ, people will say, hey, what, what's the deal? Your life looks different. You can, you can create thirst and question in people. Well, here's what else Jesus says. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Now, how could salt lose its saltiness? I mean, it's salt. Well, in Jesus' day, in this culture he's talking to, they didn't have the refineries we have. So what they had on their table that looked like salt wasn't all salt. There were other impurities in there. And when all the salts, because it was the most soluble, got all washed out, what was left was a white powdery substance. And what they did with that powdery substance was they put it on the roads to keep the roads from deteriorating. It looked like salt, but it wasn't salt. And he's saying that's not good for anything. If it looks like salt, but it's not salt, you just throw it out and you walk on it. That's what... Jesus is saying, hey, if salt loses salt, and it's not really good for anything. So you are salt. In other words, if my faith is not an influence on those around me, then what good is it? What good is it if, hello? <laughs> what good is it if it's not an influence on those around me? That's what Jesus is saying. You're salt. Influence. Bring flavor. Cause thirst. Make people ask questions. So he compares this to salt, and then he compares this to something else. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. See, as salt, I can bring flavor as light, I can give direction. And the interesting thing about light, light only shines in the darkness. It, light doesn't shine in the light. If I light this candle, go, oh, can you see me now? Is that good? Did that work? No, it, it really doesn't do anything. It just, it's light. So when light is around light, in other words, you know, Jesus says it by, hey, don't cover it up because, you know, light is just, it's, when it's around other light, it doesn't put off a lot of light. A light only shines in the darkness. Now, if we turn all the lights out, completely darken it out in here, then, hey, that puts out some light. So the good of light is when it goes to the darkness. When light just hangs around light, you can turn it back on now, when light just hangs around light, it doesn't really make a big difference. It doesn't really have a lot of influence. 
I think about the person who introduced me to Jesus Christ. And I lived in darkness. Darkness. Big time. If that person would have said, oh, I can't be around darkness. I can't be around darkness. I'm a light. I'm I'm a Jesus person. I go to church. I, 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 I do things right, so I can't go be around other types of people. If they had lived like that, they would not have carried their light into the darkness. They didn't become darkness. They didn't participate in the darkness, but they carried their light into the darkness. And I was like, hey, I like that. Where did you get that? And so... That person led me into the light, and now I got my own. And a lot of people do. A lot of people say, you know, Jesus is great. I'm going to accept him. I'm going to follow him. That's great. That's what I want to do. But then you just hang out with other people who have accepted Jesus, and they've got their lights, and everybody stands around with their lights and say, man, isn't it bright in here? Isn't it great? It's bright. It's beautiful. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Don't hide it. The only way you can unhide your light is to go into the darkness, to go to where darkness is. That's what he's saying you are. He's not saying be that, go out and do it. He's saying that's just what you are. Now, if you're thinking, well, I'm I'm never around darkness. Well, then maybe you need to be who you already are. So Jesus would say, well, who do you think you are? You're light, you're salt. When Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16, when he was telling him to go lead his church, and he said, on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He's saying, go to the darkness, don't run from it. And when a church doesn't run to the darkness, it's, it's not a church. See, that's the picture Jesus is painting, is the church running to the darkness and beating out the darkness. Just like us as individuals, running into darkness with our light to make a difference in the world, to be influencers. And as a church, if we're not influencers, we're just a club. And there's a lot of cool clubs in town. Go join one. You might get a swim pool and golf course with it. I don't know. We don't have that stuff here. But what we do have is a way to offer you to live your light. Be salt. Be what you already are in the darkness. Last year, about this time, I had this amazing opportunity to go to Guatemala. We partner with Lemonade International. Many of you sponsor kids in Guatemala. And it's just been a very rewarding rewarding experience as many of us have got to travel there and meet the people there. And there's this one lady that you've probably heard us mention before. Her name is Tita. And Tita speaks by the Spirit of God. And when you meet Tita, you, you get to hear stories and insights and you get to hear from a lady who takes her light into the darkness every single day and has chosen to live her light and live as salt and be an influencer in the darkness and here's the cool thing Tita's here today she came because Bill Cummings president of Lemonade International invited offered for her to come here and speak to us today and I thought it's a great topic we're talking about salt and light Let's have Tita here. So, Tita, if you would come out. And And Tita and I are just going to have a conversation, and she's just going to talk to us about her, about how God works, about light. So, Tita, first of all, thank you so much uh, for being here. Just tell us a little bit about, uh, for those of, most people here haven't been to Guatemala, like those of us who have, and 
just tell us a little bit about just what you do. What, what is it that ta- taking that light into the darkness, just tell us what that means to you. That means everything for me. I will not live without that. Um, but uh, I'm just one more like you all. Um, the difference is that I really believe 100% what he says about me and that um, my past life has been in, was very dark, deep darkness. And then when I meet Jesus, um, I experience this freedom and this love. So um, uh, I could not do anything else but be with him. And um, his love uh, washes away my, my darkness. Yeah. Tell us, uh, just kind of take us through what you do. Uh, with the kids, the schools, all that, just how, how God works and all that, that that has inspired so many of us? Um, this uh, this um, piece of land, it's um, a mile long land. It's um, a place to, with a, a lot of darkness. Um, it's a ghetto. It's a lot of um, drugs, gangs, um, Poverty, mm, uh, ignorance, injustice. And um, if you really want to meet Jesus, just go there. (laughs) He's there at work. Um, um, We have two schools um, as a prevention to to not have more gangs because um, there is beauty in poverty. And um, we talk a lot with Bill about that. We need them so much. Like people think that I have changed their lives, but they have changed mine. Um, You know, simpleness, they are happy with nothing. They share whatever they have. Um, It's just beauty. What it hurts, it's uh, injustice. Mm -hmm. So it's just people with lack of opportunities and that's uh, what we're doing in the schools and now in the safe house. Um, give them the opportunities that every human being deserves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you didn't always do that. You, 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 know, you didn't always uh, go to the ghetto and reach out to those kids. What, what, what changed in your life that made you say, I must do something about this? I must make a difference here? Um, knowing Jesus, <laughs> knowing his Bible, um, there are so many passages um, in the Bible. Um, do you want to go to Isaiah? Isaiah. 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 Um, many passages. Uh, if you want to start with uh, Mark, okay. Mark three thirteen. I know where that one is too. No. <laughs> are you gonna read in Spanish? Uh, no. <laughs> Where, where? Mm, yeah, Mark three thirteen. Hers is in Spanish. I'm looking at her page. It means yeah. nothing. And then, okay, Mark three. Here we go. Thirteen and stop at the when in the fourteen says that. Okay. What he's. Okay. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles 
that they might be with him and that he might send them to preach. <laughs> he says that um, he called them to be with him. Most of the time, um, we want to do the rest. What it says, the rest? After uh, preach, being send them out to preach. Preach and cast Drive out demons. demons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, you cannot do the rest without spending time with him. Because it's not you the one that is going to do the work. It's him through you. And uh, after, well, in La Limonada, after a day, <laughs> your battery is gone. <laughs> you need to recharge it. So um, the first thing is um, spend time with him. I mean, spend time with him. It's like when you have food with garlic, you just smell like garlic. <laughs> I, it's the same with Jesus. Spend time with him, with him and then your flavor is going to be good. Um, do you want to read 58 from 1 through 11? Isaiah 58, starting at verse 1, says, says, Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. Then they ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. We have fasted, they say, and you have not seen it. We have humbled ourselves, and you've not noticed. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please, and you exploit all of your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife, and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today, and expect your voice to be heard on high. Hmm. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen, only a day for a man to humble himself? Or is it only for bowing one's head like a reed, and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? It is not this kind of fasting I've chosen to loose. Is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice, mm -hmm. to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break free every yoke? It is not to share your food. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him? And not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. And your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer your cry for help. And he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression. With the pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. I mean, this is a reality. When a, 
he saved me. I was so thankful with him that I will do whatever. And I mean, this is, this is um, his heart. He's with the needy, with the poor, with the sinners. Mm. I don't want to offend anybody, but um, reading the Bible, I, if you think um, how Jesus was with the religious people, I mean, he was mean, he was rude, <laughs> really. And um, he was hard on them, but how he was with the sinners. So I'd rather be a sinner than a religious person, <laughs> really. <laughs> Because that's the truth, and he, that's what he, he doesn't want us to be religious people, just like, just be in love with him. And this is really clear. Mm. One of the passages that um, Ezekiel 33, one of the passages that he gave me, um, it's 33.11. Um, one of the pages is that he gave me um, one time that he sent me to find a gang member that was doing a big mess, killing people and doing really bad things. And God, I didn't know him before, but God woke me up at three in the morning and he says, okay, I want you to go look for him at his house and you're gonna um, write down this for him. And um, just the first part of 11, please. Verse 11. Yeah. Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Yeah. Turn. That's, that's what um, God's heart is, you know. Um, people in Guatemala says, kill them. But God, our God, is saying, save them like rescuing them because um, they become social monsters because what they have been through in, in, in their infants. And um, that's what we have, the programs that we have in La, in La Limonada, uh, to be with them. We have uh, no less than 80% of our kids are abused, most of the time sexual abused. I'm gonna share one story of uh, one of the street kids. By this time, when we're talking, he's like around 20, maybe. Uh, he says, um, I don't understand. Why do you want me to believe that there is a God out there? When I was a little kid, I saw how my, my dad beat up my mom. And, um, like almost every day, and I was so little, I could not do anything. But one day, he was around seven, I thought I was already ready to defend my mom, and I tried to, to fight with my dad, against my dad, and defend my mom. But my, my dad hit me very bad and hanged me. And um, you know, the houses are made out of poles. And he hanged me there. And, um, after a while, uh, my dad passed away. That was the day, the happiest day ever for me. And um, 
but then uh, his mom washes other people's clothes, so uh, he was always with his mom, but a car hit her mom, you know, and um, she was all, always on bed, and he used to lay down next to her, like, mom, don't die, mom, don't die. And my mom died. He was about eight or nine years old. Uh, no grandparents, nor anything, and he was like, how can you, how can you ask me to believe there is a God that loves me? Mm. Um, the kids that doesn't belong to anybody, they are God's children. And if it, it's God's children, they are our kids. Um, and that's what we are doing. Mm. You know. Uh-huh. Many of us here, I mean, many of us in the room today, we probably, many people here could never take a trip to where you are for whatever reason. What, can, what, what words of challenge and advice and wisdom can you give us? You know, how, how can we let our light shine and how can we be that salt right here? Well, I'm in Guatemala and La Limonada is my spot. There has to be a spot for everybody of you. Like each one of you, it has to be a spot. Like I know that the light that we are carrying, it works because the place where we are working, it's very dark and it works. Mm, So I challenge you, find your spot. And if you want to help our ministry down there, you talk to Donnie, and uh, he's going to let you know how you can help. Definitely, we need other people helping us. I want to read um, this Matthew 24, 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who's... Mm-hmm. Am I reading wrong? Yeah. Keep going? 13, yeah. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Um, it says that because of the evilness, the love is going to like decrease. And um, uh, there is no excuse. We know God is love. He's living in us. We must be love. And um, it seems like... Um, if there is, the love is going to decrease, it's like God is not going to be there anymore. So if there, if there is no love, there is no God. So just keep loving and keep your relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Well, Tita, thank you for your wisdom, for, your, for you being an example of what it means uh, to take a light into the darkness. Um, I wish that everybody here could have a chance to go and just see her where she is because she doesn't, she, she, she doesn't, you know, go do things. She just is. And uh, when you walk through the streets of that ghetto, it's a, it's a comforting, um, comforting feeling to know that you know Tita because nobody messes with her. And so before we went one time, Joel said we all needed t-shirts that just said, I'm a Tita. So everybody would know that we're with you. But you are an inspiration and an example. Tita and Bill, the president of Lemonade International, will be right out there in the lobby. You can go meet them and, and talk to them and say hello to them. But thank you for being a light. And it makes us 
it makes me want to be a bigger light in, in my world, in my community, just even in my neighborhood. So thank you for being here. Let me pray for you and your ministry, and, uh, and, and we want to lift you up to God. Father, thank you for this wonderful woman who, who has so many words of wisdom that come from you and who devours your word daily. And God, uh, just the way that you have allowed our paths to cross. And Father, as she walks the streets of that ghetto in Guatemala, spreading the light and love of your son, I pray that you would put an extra hedge of protection around her physically and spiritually. And God, as she walks into the darkness, may her light shine so bright that it draws people ultimately to you. Thank you that she could be here to speak with us today. Give her safe, uh, a safe flight back home. And God, may we forever remember her and all those wonderful children in our prayers. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.